Good morning. As you can see, we, got, we serve a big God, a God who is over the entire universe. We serve a God who is in the Dominican Republic, who's in the Philippines, who's in uh, Kenya. And another word for God, for, for big, is supremacy. Now, supremacy is not something that you and I use on a regular basis. You and I don't talk about supremacy on a regular basis. I don't say the Detroit Lions have great supremacy in the NFL. A, because it's not true in my 34 years of a, as being a Lions fan. And B, I think supremacy is something that we should only reserve for God. Webster's Dictionary defines supremacy as this. The state or condition of being superior to all others in authority, power, and status. Uh, to put it in a sentence, the supremacy of the king. Um, and I think that is what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at who Christ is and why Christ is supreme over all things. And this is actually why Paul wrote the book of, Coloss of Colossians um, to a church in, called Colossae. Try and say that three times fast. Uh, Colossae, Colossae, Colossae. Um, if you, it's located in the southwest interior of what is now Turkey. It's written because of a group of people called the Gnostics. And the Gnostics believed that Jesus Christ was fully man and earned his divinity. And Paul wanted to, to fight against that. Paul wanted to make sure that these believers in Colossae, this young church, while Paul was in prison in Rome, he was concerned about them. And he wanted to make sure that they knew who Christ was and who Christ truly uh, was. And so that, so he warned, wrote this to warn them against these false teachers, to make sure that they know who Jesus is. Make sure they know the very nature of who Jesus is, that he is fully God and that he has supremacy over all things. And so a lot of us here in America, I think, struggle the same way. Um, if you read in the back of the youth part of the bulletin for the last couple months, uh, you'll see that we're going on a trip to New York this summer um, as the youth team. And uh, one of the things that we do as we go on the trip, every month we do a training. Uh, so last week was our first training. And one of the things I did for the training was I talked to the students about, showed them a video about New York. And they, one of the video things said, who is Jesus? And they asked 25 different people and interviewed them in a few seconds. And some of them would be, he was a good man, some people said. Or some people said, hey, this Hindu lady said, he's one of the divine. Uh, a Muslim guy said, he's a prophet. And uh, some other people said, I don't think he was real. Or he's just a mythological figure or a good person. Uh, only one person said he was God himself. And so even here in America, 2,000 years later, sometimes we don't know exactly who Jesus is. Sometimes we don't, we miss exactly who Jesus is. And I think even here in church, sometimes we think about rules and works. We think we have to earn our salvation. Um, and so I think it's really, really easy for us to come here on Sunday morning and play church. I remember I don't drive to church with my family anymore because I'm here early. Uh, but when I was growing up as a kid, I remember my dad and mom would wake us up and, and drag us basically to church and tell us, you've got to be here. And we'd fight and argue in the car ride there. And then as soon as we got in the church parking lot, immediately we had, that, had to have a big smile on our face. And immediately we were happy. And immediately our whole life was all, all together. And I'm sure some of you can can re relate to that this morning. Uh, and so we do a really, really good job at playing church. We do a good job at playing this relationship with Christ. Um, but 
a lot of us don't know what church is or don't know what that means. So we're going to look at what Paul talks about, what it means to be a Christian. So if you have your Bibles um, or have them in the uh, pew, I want to say, but chair in front of you, um, we're looking at Colossians. So Colossians 1, 13 and 14 uh, says this. I'm reading it from the NIV, so it may be a little different from what you're used to. But here's what the NIV says. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. So I love how this starts out. It starts out with, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. So what this means is that Christ rescued us. You and I did nothing about it. It's like as a father of a six-year-old and three-year-old, I watch a lot of uh, princess movies, and so I see all these damsels in distress getting rescued, uh, and you see those damsels, damsels in distress getting rescued, and they do nothing to deserve their rescue. They do nothing to work towards their rescue, but they're rescued, and that's the same thing with us. We have done nothing to deserve to be rescued. We've done nothing to earn our rescue, but Christ did everything to give us this rescue. Um, so what did Christ rescue us from? In the NIV, it says the dominion of darkness. Other translations, it may say the kingdom of darkness. And when I think kingdom of darkness or dominion of darkness, I immediately think to Halloween movies. I don't know about you guys, but, but when I think kingdom of darkness, I immediately think Halloween movies or Halloween town or, you know, drug, sex, uh, alcohol, whatever. I think dominion of darkness. And believe me, those things are all part of the kingdom of darkness. But the kingdom of darkness is so much more than that. It's anything that goes against Christ. It's anything that we do to try and do on our own against Christ. So we may say, hey, I'm good with God because I come to church every Sunday. I'm good with God because I read my Bible every day. Um, and all those things are great. I'm good with God because I pray every day. Or we may say, hey, I'm good with God because I'm not as bad as my friend who works, on the, who works with me. I'm not as bad as them, so, so I'm good with God. But it's so much more than that. If, in order to be right relationship with God, we have to have a relationship with him. We have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to focus a little bit on what that means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and how important it is to have a relationship with him. So moving on uh, to 15 and 16, here's what 15 and 16 says. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. Um, and I love this part of this verse. It starts out with, the Son is the image of the invisible God. And as you look at who does God look like? What does God look like? We have a person. We, we read in the Bible. We see the characteristics of Jesus. We, uh, as we have a relationship with Jesus, we can pray and experience him and experience that relationship with him. So we know who God is because we look at, look at Jesus. Uh, the second part of verse 15 says, the firstborn of all creation. Um, and I don't know if any of you guys have had Jehovah's Witnesses knock on your door. Uh, about 10 years ago, we would have this group of Jehovah's Witnesses that would knock on Rachel and uh, my door on a pretty regular basis, and uh, they, they would call and say, Nate, your friends are here, and so I'd come and talk to them and debate theology as a guy fresh out of seminary, like, 
I look forward to talking with them about God and talking to them about this. And this is one of the verses that they put up all the time was firstborn of all creation, what this says. This doesn't mean that Christ was created. What this means is that Christ has dominion and rule and sovereignty over all creation. That Christ is above all creation. And if, as I pointed out to them, as you go down to 16 and 17, and we're going to look at this, for Christ created all things on heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. I love that they're just invisible things that Christ created, and that Christ was involved in creation. So what does this mean for you and I, that Christ was involved in creation? What this means for us, if we're Christians, if we're truly following Jesus, if we're truly loving him, if we're truly his best friend, um, that means that our best friend created everything. Our best friend was involved in the creation of everything. Our best friend has superiority over everything. And this is huge for you and I. If our best friend has superiority, has supremacy over everything, what that means for you and I is that we don't have to worry about things. Why, why am I worried about if I'm going to meet this payment? Why am I worried about um, what tomorrow is going to look like? Why am I worried about anything? If my best friend has power and authority over everything. Um, you see, I think when we try and do things on our own, we try and do things on our own merit, on our own will, on our own desire, that's when we start to worry. That's when we start to wonder. That's when anxiety picks up. But when we live in a world where our best friend has control and power and authority over everything, that's a world where we can have peace, where we can have forgiveness, where we can live free. There's so much freedom in knowing that our best friend has power and authority and ruler over everything. So moving on to 17 and 18, it says, he, he is before all things, and all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning he is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. So that in everything he might have supremacy. There is that word supremacy again. So again, he is before all things. In him all things are held together. So this is saying how big Christ is, that Christ was before all things. Christ was in creating all things. And this is totally goes against what the Gnostics believed uh, with the Gnostics believe that Christ worked in order to earn his deity, or worked in order to earn his righteousness. And that's what a lot of people, if you ask Americans, how do you get to heaven? A lot of them say, hey, I'm a good person. So I'm going to get to heaven because I'm a good person. And for us, we know that our security in heaven isn't in us, isn't in how good of a person we are. It's in that Jesus Christ, we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior, and it's in what he's done. Um, verse 18 talks about how Christ is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. So for some people, particularly those who, are, who have been de-churched or gone away from church, this can be a scary thing um, because 
as we know, Christians in the, in the history of Christianity, we've hurt people. We, we've um, made, turned people away from Christianity because of maybe think, people think we're hypocrites or I don't know what. But here's the beautiful thing about this is, is that we serve a God that's the head of us. So Jesus Christ is the head of First Missionary Church. It's not a pastor or a uh, board. It's Jesus Christ is the head of First Missionary Church. And that means that Christ is big enough to overcome our, hip, our hypocrisy, to overcome when we fall, overcome when we mess up, overcome um, our infancy. Christ is big enough to overcome all of that. And I think we can take great peace and great power and great help in that Christ is big enough to overcome everything. Uh, the other thing I think that we need to look at when we look at the church, is all of us, if you're a parent, can you raise your hand? So all of us that have had infants, all of us have had infants, know that infants can be messy. We know that they um, can't do much for themselves. They need help being fed, and they create great messes. Um, and that's the same thing with new Christians. So if the church is doing its job, if we're doing things the way we're called to do them, then we're going to produce baby Christians. And those baby Christians are going to be messy. And they're going to need our help. And it's okay. We still love them, just like we love our infant, infant children that are messy. We still love them. We still care for them. We still do the things for them. And we help them grow along that path. And we help them grow in their relationship with Christ. And then they mature. And they become adults. And then they help uh, nurture uh, new infant Christians. And so all of us as, as mature Christians should be, inf should be going after uh, infant Christians and trying to love them and those who are far away from Christ and try and love them uh, to the gospel and try and lead them to the head of our church, the head of our body, uh, who is Christ himself. And so that leads me on to 19 and 20, which says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him, he reconciled himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so this is what I was getting to with those who are far away from God. Christ is working to reconcile the world to himself. And this is why we send out missionaries. This is why uh, we go out, because we get to be part of that reconciliation. We get to be part of Christ bringing the world to himself. We get to be a part of fixing what's broken. We get to be a part of fixing broken relationships, broken, um, broken people. We, as the church, get to be a part of watching Christ restore the world. And in the midst of, the, of this restoring the world, one day the world will come back to its former glory of Eden. One day... Um, we will get to watch the world be perfect again. Uh, one day, we'll get to um, be able to see things that um, no sickness will happen, no death will happen, no hurt will happen, no tears will happen. Uh, I've been gluten-free for the last f six years, uh, and there's two things that I miss about being gluten-free. One's cake and donuts. Gluten-free cake is, I don't know if you've ever had it, it's very cardboardy. They're, they're getting better at it, and I don't, haven't met a gluten-free donut yet. Um, and uh, I, one day, 
Uh, God will redeem my stomach so I'll be able to eat that. I'll be able to eat uh, cake and donuts in heaven, I believe. Um, and I look forward to that. <laughs> uh, Colossians uh, 21 and 22, we're going to finish up here, um, says, Once we were alienated from God, we were enemies in your mind because of your behavior of evil. But now he has reconciled you to Christ's physical body through death. You are holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, establish and firm, do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This gospel that you have heard, that has been proclaimed from every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. How great, first off, how great would it be if we get to our, in our life to a point where we can say we're a servant of this gospel. We're a servant. Well, how, like that should be a goal of ours to say, I, Nate, am a servant of this gospel, or I, Rick, are a servant of this gospel. I, Ben, I, Mike, are a servant of this gospel. Um, but going back a few verses, going back to 21, uh, Paul says, you and I, at one point, were alienated for Christ. Um, he writes in Romans that at one point, you and I were enemies of Christ, and yet he loved and died for us while we were still enemies of his. And I, that is huge. And not only did he love and die for us while we were still enemies of his, but in 22, God says he, he put us here as, perfect, as his perfect creation. He, we're presented before God, the Father, blemish-free and perfect because of what Christ has done for us. And it's not about what you and I have done, but it's all about what Christ has done for us. Every single bit of it is about what Jesus has done for you and I and not about what we've done for, for ourselves to earn this salvation. Um, and so we can take hope in this gospel. We can take hope in what Christ has done for us and that that is good enough and that we don't have to do anything else to earn our salvation. We don't have to do anything else uh, but, what, but believe and have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you've taken nothing else out of this 20 minutes that I've been up here, here's what I want you to take, is that as Christians, we serve a big God, Jesus, who created everything, and we need to learn what it means to live like that. We need to learn what it means to live like our best friend is the creation of the universe. Our best friend is supreme and powerful being over all things. Um, so I encourage you this week to go and live that way, to go and live in such a way that your best friend is the creator of the universe and above all things. Let me close this in prayer. Lord God, we thank you so much that our best friend is the creator of all things. Lord God, we thank you so much that our best friend is the ruler above all things, Lord God. We are grateful that you died for us. We are grateful that you love us and that you've given yourself for us, Lord God. In your son Jesus' name, amen.